Welcome to Rants About Humanity, a podcast where we interview guest experts with passionate opinions about important topics that don't get enough attention. Raw, unfiltered, thought-provoking perspectives with no censorship. With your host, Philip Van Houta. Welcome everyone on the Rants About Humanity podcast. Today I have Harry Germont as a guest. Harry is a retired engineer who has for many years struggled to find better ways to do what should be the easiest thing imaginable, convincing people not to injure their own children. He joined his first bloodstained man protest in 2014 and decided then that the on-street and online actions of the organizations were one of the most promising ways to raise awareness of the problem of male genital mutilation. There we already dropped the word. Thanks so much for being a guest on the podcast and also be willing to talk about what seems to be one of the most controversial issues in general. I witnessed this in the past, which is talking about circumcision and especially circumcision when it's without consent. Why is there so much? I mean, there's so many things to have controversy about. Why is this often the top three things that is so controversial? There there are uh, many reasons. People have been misled to believe that it's a good thing. So they think it's beneficial when it's actually, of course, harmful to do an amputation of healthy, a healthy body part from a non-consenting individual. So it's clearly harmful. There's there's no body parts that are extra. Every body part is there because nature built it for us. The, The foreskin is 65 million years old, so it's a lot older than any human culture who claims that they have the right to destroy it. And so people have, in America, people have been misled to believe that it's a good thing. And so telling them that, that they've been lied to is, it's surprising, you get a surprising amount of pushback. People don't want to confront the fact that they've been fooled. Uh, I think it was Mark Twain that said it's a lot easier to fool mm-hmm. people than to convince people that they've been fooled. And it's impossible and- to put the foreskin back on. <laughs> It's a one-way thing. It's, it, yeah. Once you've killed part of him, when you when you cut off a living body part, you're killing that body part. It's you've killed part of your baby when you've circumcised him. Could you guide towards the origins of circumcision? Well, I don't think anybody really knows the absolute beginning. I mean, it's some kind of um, dark ritual. Uh, Sigmund Freud thought that it was a substitute for child sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That previously they were sacrificing children, and then they just started sacrificing part of the child. And uh, you can see where he got that when you look at Genesis, the story of Abraham. The first part of the story, Abraham is intending to mm-hmm. sacrifice, murder his son, mm-hmm. and an angel stops him. And then the, the the idea of circumcision is introduced next. So you can see there's like. An angel, something changed in their society where they stopped sacrificing, stopped human sacrifice of, of children. So that's the angel in the story. And then they substituted it with this sacrifice of the foreskin. There's some things in a lot of like ancient religions, and please, I'm not an expert in this. People can respond in the comments or let me know what they think, where it comes from. But there's something about blood and blood and a blood oath. And then like an exchange that you do to make a covenant with God or something. Some people also compare it to Babylonian or Assyrian blood rituals. And that then some elements were taken over in the Old Testament. I mean, this is all guesses, but this is some some stuff that I read about it. Well, it's without doubt a blood ritual because you, you can't cut 
without blood. So it's a blood ritual for sure. Some people don't like that. It's without doubt human sacrifice because every part of a human being is human. So if you if you sacrifice, if you destroy, if you kill part of a human being, you're performing a human sacrifice. So human sacrifice is still with us amongst people who are highly sophisticated, educated people. They're still practicing human sacrifice today. Is that so in the Old Testament itself that God demands it and calls literally for circumcision or is it an interpretation? So this is interesting. There's two versions of Genesis, Genesis 15 and Genesis 17. And in the uh, Genesis 15, the covenant with between the Jews and their God was kept with an animal sacrifice. And about 1100 years later, Genesis 17 was added to the story, which is a different version. But instead of an animal sacrifice, then God demands circumcision. So sometimes people say, well, it's so old, you know, it's, it's, it, they, they use the argument from antiquity. If it's old, it must be good. Well, the oldest version of the covenant doesn't involve cutting a boy's foreskin. It, it involves an animal sacrifice. So, One of the arguments that is used a lot is, yeah, but it's desert people. And when you have a foreskin, sand can come in and then you can have a lot of infections. So as a precaution, maybe take a look at the desert. I don't even if it was true where it comes from, like it actually is a precaution to have a lot of infection of the penis and the foreskin. That's absolutely laughable. It's ridiculous. But you've heard it, right? I mean, yeah. But I mean, just think about it. In those days, they had no sanitation. They didn't know anything about germs. They had no way of sanit... They, they, they couldn't do... They had no sanitary facilities for doing surgery. So the number of people who were died or were suffered major infections had to be greater than anything it was supposed to prevent. And it doesn't, in fact, prevent any disease because, you know, people where they don't circumcise boys, the boy, the boys and men are healthier than places where they do. So uh, if you compare Europe to America, Europe has fewer circumcisions and better sexual health for males. So the idea that uh, circumcision improves health is absurd and proven false by the real world data. And also in Australia, they used to circumcise all their boys in about 40 years ago. They decided that was a stupid thing to do. They stopped and their sexual health has improved. And at the time they stopped, the circumcision advocates were saying, oh, no, you can't stop circumcision. There'll be terrible diseases. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just a lie. It's just a lie. They'll, they'll do any kind of lie to mutilate boys. So there's some kind of obsession, compulsion, mutilation fetish that seems to drive people to want to mutilate and torture boys. And so, I mean, th there's a sickness in it that that's, hasn't really been explored. Yeah, and even if I would go with the story of in the desert and sand and infections, like how does this still uphold, you know, in Northern America, or you just talked about, you know, certain cities in Australia or other people in the world. It's not even, I think in the New Testament, there's no mention that you have to be circumcised. It's not a, a precondition. But still, you see in a country like America, which is mostly Christian, I don't know, you will know the percentage of how many men are circumcised, but it's massive. It's massive. Right. And I, and, I thought and, it would be a yeah. Muslim thing and a Jewish thing mostly. But no, in America, it's like, I don't know, you can see how much percentage it is, but it's, it's massive. Right. So Christians, St. Paul, or Paul of Tarsus, who became St. Paul, 
at the time, the early, the early Christians were all Jews. You know, it was a Jewish sect to begin with. And as it became popular, or they started to bring in new adherents, uh, a lot of them were uncut men, and they didn't want to be circumcised. They didn't want to become Jews to become Christians. And so at that point, Paul said, okay, circumcision is not part of this religion. We're, we're not, it's not a requirement anymore. You can, it, it doesn't matter if you're circumcised. You're, you can be intact, and that's fine. There's no benefit to being circumcised. The words they used was the circumcision of the heart, which which they meant the change that was needed to join the religion was a change in your heart. It's a spiritual thing, not a physical thing. So for and later other Christian writers just said, you know, circumcision is absolutely not part of our religion. If if you circumcise your if you're circumcised, uh, God or Jesus will do nothing for you. So it's not a Christian thing. And in Europe, Christians understand that right away. It's not we don't we don't do mm -hmm. that. We're, mm -hmm. we're Christians. We don't do that. That's the Jews and the Muslims that do that. Mm -hmm. In America, which is an absolute monstrous failure of American Christian leaders, they have failed to inform their flocks that this is against their religion. They and American, I, I've told, mm -hmm. heard so many Americans, Christians, tell me, "Well, I'm Christians. We circumcise because we're Christian." It's like, well, no, you got it all wrong. You don't even know your own religion. You don't circumcise. You're a Christian. But nevertheless, in America, they've been sold uh, lie after lie after lie, and that's one of them, that somehow it's a Christian thing. It's not. How many men are circumcised in uh, America? It has, I think it's like 70 to 80 percent of wow. the men alive today. When I was born in the 1950s. It was in America like, or in the world? In America only. Mm. No, in the world, wow. it's more like 30 percent. Mm -hmm. So when I was born in the 1950s, they circumcised basically everybody, and, and apparently they didn't even ask; they just did it. And then I, I think it, it was it was going at a very high rate until the 70s, and, the, and it was like 80, 90 percent. And then people started to realize it's a stupid thing to do, and it it has faded from there to about 55 percent today of of newborns are circumcised. They then find ways to impose circumcision on boys after that after the newborn period by forcibly retracting the foreskin and injuring the boy and saying, well, you see, you should have circumcised him. Now we'll have to cut him. So they, they I mean, it, it's monstrous. It's monstrous. So you, you take it, your baby in for his wellness, well baby visit, and they'll just forcibly retract the foreskin. Not always, but often. There's, there's lawyers who specialize in just forcible retraction in the United States. They forcibly retract the foreskin, which is it's it's supposed to retract on its own over the course of years, you know, loosen and and separate from the glands, and uh, then they cause an injury, and then th that's the justification for further force for further circumcisions. So we don't really know the whole number by the time you know, but most of them are done in the first year of life, and it's it's a it's still best numbers we have. It's still the majority of boys are being cut in America. And what would be the major reason? Is it mostly health and wellness or is it religion? It's a mix probably, but which of those two prevails mostly? Uh, it's money. The major reason is money. It's a billion dollar industry. There's no, it's, but the a, reason it's sold. The, it's the reason sold Americans as, do it, they're like mostly if you would go to an average American family and they, they, they tell you why they circumcise their boy, will they mostly say it's because of religion or mostly because of health or just it's the thing to do? Or They, they will, there, there are lots of reasons, but oftentimes they say they, they wanted him to look like his dad, which mm. is ridiculous, of course, because if you're, if you're missing an arm, you don't cut off your child's arm. I mean, if you're, 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 if your dad, if the dad is an amputee, 
You don't want your son to be an amputee. I mean, that's ridiculous, but that's the way that because and the reason they do that is the dad has never dealt emotionally with the loss of his foreskin. He hasn't grieved. He hasn't come to terms with what happened to him. So rather than deal with the reality that he's an amputee and that he, he was betrayed by his own people and that he was just treated as a pawn for somebody else's money-making scheme, and that's the, side, that's the type of society he actually lives in, rather than face that, he'd rather just mutilate his son so that he can pretend everything is fine with him. How is money being made of the... Because I don't see how people actually make money It's, well, you know, it's a for-profit, medicine is a for-profit industry in America. So every, every medical, the more medics, more procedures you do, the more money you make. So right there, it's, it's, it's a billion dollar industry, just cutting the boys. Hospitals make money, doctors make money. There's, of course, there are many injuries, and then there's further revisions and further surgery on boys sometimes. 20% of the boys suffer what's called meatal stenosis, which is a, a narrowing of the, of the opening of the penis. And sometimes that requires surgery to correct. So this is extremely painful surgery. It's traumatic. The boy's been through one trauma already, and they put him through a second trauma to correct the, the fuck up of the first trauma. I mean, well, this, the lack of care for, for American boys is just shocking. I don't know how, how long. I mean, we can talk about some Jewish stories that I heard, like how it's done, which is Yeah, just mind-boggling that it still exists in the 21st century. But just cutting off a healthy part of your... We get, we're calling it in the whole episode like it is. Like, you know, there's no sugarcoating it. But, I mean, as a man, you have also sexual energy. You have sexual prowess, you know? Like, it's 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 basically your, your, your life-giving force, giving you direction. Energy is being confident, straightforward energy. And that is already being cut off. That is being punished. That part that is vitalizing is damaged. Like... On, on a metaphysical, on an existential level, that must leave some impact on the child. You know how important the child uh, checks the environment if, if they are okay, if the environment is okay, and this is being done so early, that must, I think, leave an imprint on the child. You're absolutely right. It's totally traumatic. And we have a whole generation of, of men who are, have suffered or have post-traumatic stress disorder boys after they've been cut they they overreact to you know when they get their vaccine injections the cut boys overreact compared to the uh, other ones so they've are their brain has been suffered trauma already i mean it's it's you know it, this is heartbreaking stuff it's just unbelievable that this could be going on and still going on after all that's known and it, and, and you just can't stop the machine it just it's just It's just shocking. It's also a very sensitive part of the body because if you still have your foreskin or if ever you pull your foreskin too much to the back and it starts bleeding, it's almost like just look at when your lip is bleeding or your eyebrow is bleeding. It's so full of like sensitive nerves that it just bleeds like crazy. So it's a very sensitive, very sensitive spot, you know, with a, with a lot of blood running through it. You know, it's not just, oh, I don't feel a thing, you know, it's very sensitive skin with I don't know how much nerves that are super sensitive. Right. So most of the sexual sensitivity uh, in the penis is in the foreskin. So most of your sexual, for, for circumcised men, most of their sexual sensitivity has, sensitivity has been destroyed. It's lost forever. They'll never know what it's like to have normal sex. I mean, just think about that. They have no chance ever. So it's just, uh, that's just been foreclosed to them forever. And, one, and that, that's another part of why it's so hard for cut men to come to 
terms with what happened to them because they now have to face that they've been missing most of their sexual sensitivity, which is a very important to men. I mean, come on, men like sex. I mean, it's just like, how could you think that that wouldn't be important to men? Yeah, you Back look at history, it rationally, like, you know, I'm going to enhance my sexual performance by cutting off a stuff of a piece of my penis, which is just like, listen, maybe most men come too soon. But even then, if you would come too soon and it's really an issue, you get use certain tantra techniques or other techniques. Or if as a last resort and you want to do it with fully full consent and you want to have less friction, maybe you can get circumcised because it's, you know, it's too much friction and you come too fast. But by default, like, for instance, like only in certain uh, positions I come fast, but then I come pretty slow. I can't imagine me being circumcised. I would really just be pounding a woman, pounding a woman without ends and never coming. I'm, I'm putting it bluntly here, but I know right, people right. are like this. You know, I read studies that Muslims, they ram a woman more and more hard just to get some feeling and some friction because there's just a lot less friction without the foreskin. Yeah, it's it's damaged. I mean, it's it's damaged. There was a study done in, in Denmark by Morten Frisch, and he did a survey of, of heterosexual couples and the pleasure they got. And the women whose partners were cut had a much greater report of painful sex. So it ruins it not only for the man, but for the woman. And so, I mean, it's like, well, life has got a lot of, life is hard enough. Why would you ruin one of the good things about life? Why, why, why would you, why would anybody choose to do that? It's, 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 it's crazy. And then you have the aesthetic sometimes with the whole porn industry that everybody is like circumcised, which I don't know why. I mean, it's all about aesthetics and impression, I guess. It looks bigger now, now that it's circumcised. And that also gives, especially with these generation of, uh, boys uh, growing up with their uh, ideal of sex through porn, they're almost all circumcised. Yeah, well, a lot of the porn is done in, 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 in America. Uh, so a lot of it comes out of the San Fernando Valley in California. And uh, the population there is mostly cut. So that might be it. Or it might be that they just don't want to show uncut guys. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a it's it really I mean, it, to me, it's like, well, if you want porn, you'd want I mean, if you have Athletes, you wouldn't want to have athletes who are missing their feet if they're going to be runners. I mean, it's like, <laughs> if you want to make good porn, they should be intact. Yeah, but it, it always seems so absurd to have this discussion, but then, you know, it gets like so heated. And a lot of times you have, you know, I also talked about it with everything uh, that's going on with COVID. It's people have a value disposition or something happened or they have a feeling disposition and then they backwards rationalize that it makes sense. So once this is being exactly. done to people and they, and then that their values, they just keep on grasping to prove what it's to make sense. You can provide all the evidence, but like I had some people who are like circumstances, like no, it's the best thing I get. It's needed, but they never knew otherwise. You you never know what it's like. You I mean, you can't argue with how it would be because it was it happened without your consent. Yeah, the grief of realizing what happened is is really overwhelming, and and some men commit suicide after they understand what what circumcision did to them so it's like if you give them any alternative no matter how ridiculous no how no matter how patently absurd it is they're so desperate to cling to something that says that oh this was for a reason mm -hmm. that no matter how you can throw them anything and they'll cling to it so it just shows you the the grief 
the the depth of the harm and just how sick it is to be doing this to people it's just, and also the lobby sick. and especially the jewish lobby i mean i'm calling out things as it is they're insanely big because when you look at the research and half of the research is being done by the jewish lobby or jewish um, financiers and then they still found reasons why it has no effect at all or no negative effects now there's one thing that it happens and you say it's because of religion or health in the past but you're cutting off a super sensitive part of your body with a lot of nerve endings that also provide some lubricant and then they still are able to produce i don't say science propaganda <laughs> that shows like no effects this is i mean if you look for it online it's massive how much this lobby is sponsoring things on the other side and don't allow proper research right yeah it, it, i mean one thing we should always say is that uh, you don't ever we, we don't ever malign a group of people we that whenever we talk about blame always talk about specific people mm -hmm. or specific organizations because if you malign a whole group of people mm -hmm. then the innocent get uh, hurt the most mm -hmm. and most most jews are not responsible for this Mm -hmm. So I, I always feel like it's important to do that because it's so easy to get into sort of a tribal tribal competition, tribal hate thing, and, and we don't want to do that. So there are specific people and specific organizations that should be called out and blamed for what they've done. One of them is the American Academy of Pediatrics, which has uh, promoted circumcision through very deceptive means. And was was uh, called out by uh, European pediatricians and uh, the leaders of the pediatric societies of thirty eight European and Canadian organizations, and they just de destroyed the AAP argument. It, it's ridiculous. It's biased. It's not scientific. It's incoherent, and just worthless. Despite that, despite the fact that in, in their own journal, the Pediatrics, the Journal of the American Academy of Pediatrics, they published this complete refuge, uh, refutal, re rebuttal, re refutation of, of their previous report. And then they absolutely ignored the fact that their previous report was, was shown to be garbage. And they just kept promoting it, just as if nothing happened. And that's so American Academy of Pediatrics deserves blame. And that organization has never done what is their responsibility to do, that is to say that circumcision should not be performed on infants. The Canadian Pediatric Association did that. The Europeans, the, uh, the Dutch uh, Royal Dutch Medical Association is very strong against circumcision. It's, you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics is, is an outlier. It's, it has failed in its duty. And, and to my view, they're criminally liable for the damaging of millions of boys. And I don't know if they'll ever get properly prosecuted for what they've done, but what they've done is, is criminal in, in my view. Also, on a bigger level, I think any kind of religion state, it also applies to what's happening right now with uh, COVID, what they're forcing, especially with infants when they don't have any say. You, you, you shouldn't do irreversible damage to people without their consent. Nobody should be going through that just as a precaution, unless you have very big proof that, you know, the, the side effects are so big, you know, the risk are so massive, but it is not here in this case. And in that case, you just should respect individual rights, autonomy of the body. And if, because you're talking right now about infants and children rights, right? 
if anybody want to circumcise themselves and they're a fully mature adult, hopefully informed on different levels, and they still want to do it, I have no problem. I would never do it. I have no problem with it at all. Right. Exactly. I mean, and we understand this for tattoos. You know, it's it's illegal to tattoo your children because they have a right to make that that decision for themselves. They have a right to an open future. And kids can't make the decision to tattoo themselves until they reach the age of majority in most places. So until they're mature enough to make that decision, they, they shouldn't be making it. But once they're 18 or 20 or whatever it is in their country, they, then they, if they want to have tattoos, that's fine. That's their choice. It's a body modification. That's uh, it's their body. And the genital modifications to the genitals should be the same thing. It, it's, kids should be protected from it. Kids should not be able to elect it until they have the level of maturity where they can make that decision. But once they do, and if, if, it, if it's informed consent, and that means the person who's selling it has told them all of the downsides, and under, they understand it, and they're not in, this, in an emotional state where they're not able to make a decision. If all those things are true, and they, they're emotionally clear, they understand all the downsides, and they still want to go ahead with it, and they're of, of age of consent, then, then that's, that's their right. Well, I see a big link with what's happening right now in COVID. I also feel that there's no informed consent. If there is, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of freedom of speech and freedom of action. People should be able to do what they do. And oh, my 16-year-old my son chose to get the uh, experimental jab, let's say. But is he truly informed? Has he seen all perspectives? Have he seen the entire debate? No, we only see one, one certain debate. And then it's being sold like it was his choice, you know, and he made the choice. Yeah, but based on what information? So I'm always like, show them information, let them think for themselves, and they might reach a conclusion that is opposite to mine. But hey, that's the way of making up your own mind and making a choice. But I see the same link also here with, I can't call this informed consent. I, feel, I find it like forced consent based on one-sided information. And this is also the purpose of my podcast. You might not agree with what we say, but we show in another perspective, and hopefully it will help you make up your mind by seeing different views about a certain topic. Yeah, I think it's absolutely right. You, you've got to tell the whole story. Unfortunately, with a new vaccine, nobody knows what the long-term con consequences are. I mean, hopefully there aren't any. Well, they do. Uh, they must have a time machine because how the hell can you know long-term side, side effects? Do we need that? I mean, how, many, how many, many, it, it's not even long-term there. So explain to me, like, how do you already know this, right? Like, I saw this other meme that said, like, yeah, oh, they, they didn't know it was not going to be so, so ineffective after a while. So, so that's just after a while, a little bit in the future. That's something you didn't know. But no long-term side effects, that's still something that you know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, the blood saying, man, we don't take a, we don't, hmm. we focus just on one issue because yep. if we get diverted into other things, we, 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 you know, lose our focus and, of amongst our supporters, we have people all over the map on how they feel about vaccines. So we just steer clear of it. We steer, steer this clear of it. This is just about the topic the that issues. you mentioned, the word informed consent. It's yeah, yeah. important yeah, no, yeah, 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 body yeah. autonomy and informed consent. And this is yeah, not only no, I, here, I, but I totally on different support, aspects. Yeah. I totally support your position because it is really important to understand what you're signing up for. Also, yeah. I make often this comparison. You could have appendicitis, Harry. Am I going to preemptively just take away appendicitis, even though it's only like a certain percentage of cases that they have appendicitis and you have to remove it just to be in case? Are we amputating women their breasts just so they can't have breast cancer? It's nonsense. Yeah, of course not. Of course not. It's crazy. 
That would be crazy. Like, oh, no, yeah. we'll see when it is there. And I just have a checkup and it's only the minority or we advance the medicine. So we'll see. We don't do this at all. But we don't apply this logic when it comes to circumcision. Yeah, 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 yeah. you're right. It, it's Logic goes out the window when as soon as you start talking about the circumcision. It just becomes they're selling something which is not good. And they know it, and they're making profit off of it. And and I think there's a mutilation fetish going on amongst people who are getting a thrill out of harming other people. And, you know, you can't really prove that, but uh, there's something beyond just money that's driving this because the, the intensity of the, of, the, of the desire to mutilate boys is just shocking. I'm not attacking the Jewish people here, but isn't this also a ritual that when you're boy gets circumcised that it gets like celebrated or it's a special occasion or am i mistaken here yeah so there is a, so first of all some jews don't circumcise their boys it's not universal among jews some don't some say well no we want what's best for our son so he's going to keep his whole penis in his whole penis thank you you know not going to happen <laughs> you know just we don't we don't want that so good for them and, and even in Israel, there's a movement to stop circumcision. So, you know, and they have a ritual called uh, Brit Shalom, which is... Brits, uh, yeah, Brits or something, right? Yeah. So, there, yeah. but there's a variant where it's called Brit Shalom, which is a welcoming without cutting. They, they have a naming ceremony. They welcome the boy into the community. There's no blood. There's no circumcision. And that's a, a, a growing movement in the Jewish world. Yeah, that one, the um, one thing... Maybe it's a minority or whatever, but I, I, I tell people that in some cases it still goes on that actually the rabbi or someone like they, they get cuts off and then they suck the blood off yes. the penis. This does happen. I mean, this I'm explaining happen. this, right? People are like, you're crazy. No, I'm not crazy. I'm, I'm really talking. So can you imagine the trauma of just the bleeding, the cutting off the stuff of your penis and then like this, this pedophilia act being like portrayed? I, I can't even imagine also. How can you be a, I mean, rabbi, whatever, who, whoever does this, that you would think it's perfectly fine to cut off a boy's baby's penis, and then you're going to suck the blood off the, sorry for the explicit things that we say here, but we're calling it as it is, that this barbaric practice is still being done. That's even adding the level of pedophilia on it, you know, and it's like, how barbaric can something get to say like, whoa, 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 we're in 2022, like what, what's going on here? Right. So there's a really traditional uh, sect. I think they're called the Hasidics and they are, and they, uh, they do this. It's they, uh, they, they suck the blood off of the penis with the mouth oral suction. And it's, it causes sometimes infection because sometimes uh, there've been cases in New York that have been documented where boys die from getting herpes from the mouth of the rabbi that sucked the bloody wound. Wow. So the baby, you know, dies dead. There were others where they get uh, an infection and they end up with brain damage from the infection. So the brain, baby is now a vegetable for life, just so that the rabbi can suck the bloody penis. This was, there was a brouhaha about that in New York. It came to the attention of the New York City Health Department. And all, their, their response was that the parents have to sign a, a note that says they understand that this is going to happen to their boy. The boy got no protection whatsoever. He has no, no rights. He's an American citizen. He has no rights. He has no right to be protected. And that's the best the New York City Health Department could do. It's, so they, they basically are signing a note that says, my boy could be excused from life 
you know, I'm okay with that. That's where we are. That's because nobody wants to oppose religion in America. Nobody wants to say, no, you're going too far. That shouldn't happen. It's crazy because sometimes, you know, uh, in Belgium, they attack, I don't know, maybe it was a, 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 a Muslim uh, celebration where they slaughter a, a goat and, and then, you know, it's being done in a traditional way. And then some animal organizations would say like, no, you can't do it that way. It's between brackets inhuman or too painful, but it's like you're advocating for animal rights here because it's too painful and too much blood and too barbaric. But silence about this that's still going on like uh, I, I, I don't understand the lobby probably but i don't understand that that this practice can still continue in in in, in this century it it is shocking they also the foreskin is also used it's sold when the baby's cut the, the foreskin is sold and it's used for genetic engineering or tissue um, engineering and they culture tissue products from it and they make uh, face cream for wealthy women from it, from boys' foreskins, from really? living boys' foreskins. Yeah, and it's been promoted by Oprah and other celebrities. It's just shocking. I mean, you, you, you just can't believe these things are really happening, but they really did. And it's a force. It's a, a, a face cream that's made from, in part, from from stolen foreskins, foreskins st- stolen from baby boys. And this is happening in America, the land of the free. The champion of human rights, this is happening in the United States of America, where we're supposed to be the model of, of uh, human rights. And this is how Let's make it, it visual. What happens here, actually, that they do? They put the penis under, under, underneath uh, something. I have and a then they... photograph, yeah. if I can share it with you. Yeah. It, it's, I'm not, let's see. Let's see if I can share on, it's always share screen. Yeah. Let me try that. Yeah, the people on the podcast would just need to check it on YouTube or on Rumble. But also, okay. if you don't find it immediately, maybe you can describe it a bit. I was wondering, did you just put it under a plank and then they just take a, a knife? Like sometimes you have some paper and then you just just cut it off? It's, it's, uh, they, it's a brutal process because the foreskin is attached to the... The foreskin is fused to the glands of the penis at the time of birth. And so it's like pulling, in order to start the process, they have to separate the foreskin from the glands. It's like ripping somebody's fingernails off. It's, it's that sort of thing it is. It's extremely painful. They jam a probe in there to separate. Up until the 70s in the United States, no anesthetic was used, none. So these, this was extremely painful. They went yeah. through, and, and they told people, they told the parents, well, babies can't feel pain. This is what this was their dogma. Ba- oh, well, it's okay. Babies can't feel pain. And if they do, they won't remember it. It's just lunacy, lunacy. Anyway, this went on for decades, and, and nobody in the medical profession lifted a finger to stop it. It's obviously the most absurd, unscientific, cruel, vicious thing to be doing. And they didn't do a damn thing to stop it. This is American medical profession, sadly. They didn't do anything. It was only stopped when parents complained and said, you've got to do something about this. My boy is suffering. And it was only because of the intervention of parents. Not The medical profession never would have done it on their own. That's un- really tragic. But I can't even wrap my head around what's gone wrong with, that American, with the American medical profession. It's just 
lost the, 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 the thread. Anyway, Maybe I can share something on my YouTube YouTube. and then just I can upload it that people can check it out and I can put it like over the video. You can can look at it. How old are children on average when they do it? Well, in America, 99% of circumcisions are done in the first year of life. So, and most of those are in the first days of life. So they are at their most vulnerable stage. They've just gone through the trauma of birth. They are in desperate need of warmth. They've, they're no longer in the womb. They need the warmth and cuddling and the love of their mother. They need her breast. They need her touch. They need gentleness. They need to be welcomed into the world. And they brutalize them with a knife. I mean, that's, so that's, that's what happens. And how long do they take to recover on average from it? Like recover, I mean, just, just physically then, I mean, right? Yeah. So there's one, one thing. You never recover from an amputation because you can't regrow a body part. But you can, mm-hmm. the wound will heal. The wound heals in, in, a, in a couple of weeks, but they never recover. The trauma is never undone. The damage is never undone. But the wound will heal after a couple of weeks. You know, but in I mean, that time, the, yeah. the, 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 the open wound is in a diaper with, with shit and urine. It's just like, oh, this is to be cleaner. This, they say this is cleaner. And do, do you know any research about doctors who truly just, I mean, it's kind of hard to investigate this when you're anti it and then just measure the effects of it. But do you know any doctors research that tested maybe their reactions, you know, how anxious they were, how much they cried, maybe test their pain levels? Do you know any research that's being done on how this yes. process is for babies? Yes, there, there was research that, that so cor- blood cortisol levels, cortisol is a, uh, a hormone that is released when you're in stress and pain and the blood cortisol le- levels of infants undergoing circumcision are just off the charts. So it's proof uh, that they're having a, an experience as if they're crying wasn't enough, but that's, you know, proof that they're going through trauma. It's known that there's no, there's no doubt. And, and anybody who could seriously believe who's ever been around a baby could think that babies don't feel pain. I mean, babies are just exquisitely sensitive to pain. They're yeah, more this sensitive is the thing. Than humans than mm-hmm. adults. Babies until I don't know what the age is, uh, maybe two or three. They mostly sense their environment through their body and through their emotions. They can't just rationally rationalize like, yeah, but this was necessary because in religion and this. Babies don't think this way. They think in an innate, emotional, embodied sense. So probably that experience will be even more traumatic because. Sensing is how they sense the world, how the world makes sense to them. And you reduce something that makes them sense, makes them feel. Yeah. Yeah. The baby has no religion. He doesn't, doesn't know what religion is. All he knows is he's being attacked. The baby doesn't know about some sort of remote possible possibility of a health benefit all he knows is he's being attacked he doesn't know anything else and also the strange thing is often that one of the worst things to realize for the baby and a child is for them to realize that they're in the hands of somebody who doesn't care about them so what do they often do they rationalize that something is wrong with them because they also want to believe that they're in the head of caretakers who care about them. So often that's also the trauma about self-esteem, self-worth. Oh, I'm being punished. Something is taken away. There must be something wrong with me, which is one of the most biggest issues for a lot of trauma, shame, anger, and other issues. The feeling that people have that there's something innately wrong with them, which, which hurts them and limits them from achieving self-love. And this is yeah, a kind yeah. of physical act of this whole process that initiates it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's it's it's I mean, it's why would you do that to somebody? It's just 
And, and, and as, as you point out, they, they want to believe that, that they're loved. And the hardest thing, one of the hardest things about for a cut men is to realize that, that they were betrayed by their own people. It's just, it's such a devastating thing to think, well, these are my people and they turned against me. They hurt me. They, they, they injured me. These are, these are the people that are supposed to be my people. How do you and heal from that process? Me. How do you heal from this? Like when you would realize like, whoa, I got a lot of trauma, a lot of issues, a lot of grief around this. How do you heal the relationship with the people who, who caused this or the community who caused this? It's really hard because uh, if, if one thing that you have, I always tell people to do when you're dealing with parents who allowed their boy to be cut is you have to first acknowledge that they were misled. Mm -hmm. If they had been told the truth, they would not have done this. So the blame really is on the medical profession for lying to parents. Parents want what's best for their kids. There, there are sadistic, sick people out there who are parents, but they're really rare. Most parents are just want the best for their kid. So I think, first of all, putting, if, you, if, if you're going to confront parents, the first thing in your mind is think, well, they are suffering too. They were lied to. This is a tremendous humiliation for them that they were duped. And so, you know, you, go gentle. And yeah, that's the, the, the main thing. But it, people don't, don't want to admit it. They, I mean, it's just, it's really hard to, to admit it. And, and the other thing is that amongst cut <laughs> men, some of them just can't deal with the pain. They, they're, there's documented cases of, of, of men who commit suicide when they, when they really confront what happened to them and they just don't want to go on. It's just like, yeah, I don't want to live in this world now. I have my own stance about everything and people who've been following my podcast know what my stance is towards uh, Corona, but I see a lot of resemblances with this, with now that they're going for the kids and that these kids have no say at all about this. And when it would seem that they would have negative consequences, how will they have the same discussion that they have about circumcision about them? I can't reverse this anymore. And you would have the same thing like trying to have empathy. <laughs> towards your parents or the community for what they did but you suffered a, you can't reverse time anymore so that's a very yeah. difficult process i mean i see the resemblance between the two and draw the comparison you might not agree but that's a very hard process right yeah i mean it's uh, you know I, well, let's hope there aren't really bad downsides to i mean to the to the vaccines that are out yeah. there but I, I i don't know i mean i don't know what the long-term thing is going to be no i don't think nobody knows it hasn't been around that long so I, I just hope, I mean, we know with circumcision, we know that it's harmful. Mm. There's no doubt. There's no doubt that it's traumatic and, and causes permanent injury and loss of sexual function. We know that it's not a, there's no doubt about that. But still there, you see how big the power of narrative is, right? Because he who controls the narrative controls the behavior. And even if the behavior doesn't make sense, just keep on fueling the narrative, sponsoring the narrative, and people will just keep on continuing. 70, 80%, it's less than before, but still 70, 80% of the people. How, yeah. how was this process for you? Like, why do you became interested in this topic? I mean, you're a bit uh, older than me. I don't know if you're always passionate about this. What was your journey like? So I grew up in a Catholic family in Southern California, and we had, on the first of the year, the, the Catholic Church has a, a holy day, which was called the Feast of the Circumcision. 
And the odd thing about this holy day is nobody ever talked about what was being celebrated. It was just like the weirdest thing. We have this celebration, the Feast of the Circumcision, but nobody ever talks about it. It was just too embarrassing. And so finally, I just, I was 16. I asked my mom, well, well what is the Feast of the Circumcision about anyway? Because like, I didn't know. And I, I, I had seen an uncut boy in school, but I didn't, all the other boys were cut and I was cut. And so I did, I, th- I thought there was something wrong with him because I just thought, well, gee, he's got a funny penis. But anyway, I didn't know that I was cut. I just didn't know. I, I thought that uh, I was normal. I thought I was born this way. And I could see her face just became so full of pain that I just couldn't ask any more about it from her. She was just what I, I touched a raw nerve and I, and I knew that I couldn't I couldn't pursue it because it was just like clearly. Well, they touched the raw nerve, sorry. As a yeah. Pen, yeah. Yeah. The very but I mean, nerve. as I said, in the 50s, they, they didn't even ask sometimes. I don't know if they asked my parents or what, but once I realized that there's something going on here that I just don't understand, I've, I've read about it. I, and I got this book about, you know, sex information for teenagers. And it said that the end of the penis is cut off in circumcision. And I thought, oh. That means they cut off the head of the penis. And I thought, well, I'm so glad they didn't do that to me. Yeah. And then I realized, well, wait a minute, there's this scar that circles my penis. And like, and that's they did cut something off of me. And then it was like, oh my God, how could they have? What the fuck? You know, it's like, what the fuck? It's my body. What the fuck? Everything they taught me about what's right, about ethics, about Mm-hmm. being good to animals and not, and not, you know, everything that they taught me about what it was to be a good human being was violated. And it's just like, how did that fucking happen? And I just, from that point on, I saw my parents differently. And I saw my society differently. It was just like, well, these people aren't really competent. And I, I, I'm on my own here. I, I can't really rely on these people. And it's, you know, it was like, well, I had to grow up. And so I knew, I just knew, wow, this should not have happened. This is my body, the most private part of my body. They have no business doing anything to it. And, you know, there was just certainty from that moment. And it's it's never changed. And, you know, there's everything I've learned since has only corroborated what was obvious to me in the beginning, that, that this is an outrage. So your mom and Nate felt a bit guilty for it because that's like a oh. huge step because most parents would just condone it or rationalize it away. Yeah, she was, you know, she was one someone who was really good about explaining things. And every time I asked her a question, she would just go right, just take the time to explain everything to me and make sure I understood it. She was really good at that. anything that she could explain. She would do it immediately, and this she wouldn't talk about. So I knew there's something going on. And the expression on her face, clearly she was in great, she was suffering. This was great guilt that I'd, t- that I'd hit. And so, yeah, I, I know, you know, her empathy was there. It just, it was too late to change what happened. How did your parents, I don't know if you still live or not, how did they look back at it now? And you also advocating for this, what was their stance or did their stance change when you became more involved in it? We never really talked about it, and they've both passed for uh, some time. But um, it was just an area that I, I couldn't go there with them. You know, just we just there was no point. They just they couldn't. I couldn't go there with them. 
Did I wish have, I could have. Yeah. Did you have any, if you're willing to share, negative experiences also? Or if you don't, can do you have any specific examples of stories that you heard that you hear regularly of people who got circumcised? What trauma, emotional, physical, social? Well, I've had to go through life with a partial penis. I mean, how humiliating is that? I, I just, I mean, this is the mark, the, the, you know, the ancient history was that the, the Egyptians marked their slaves who at the time were the Jews with, with circumcision. And that's how the Jews picked it up. It was the mark of a slave. That's what I have to go through life with. I, I can't undo it. I can't, I don't get another life. This is the only one I got. And that's, that's what I've had to deal with. I mean, I'm an amputee. It's, like, it's just, it's just what, a, what, a, what a fucking disgusting thing to have to say. And, and I'm a victim of a, of a corrupt system that profits off of mutilating children. That's, that's who I am. That's where, that's what I, as a, a free American, Americans, the land of freedom, this is what happened to me. I mean, the idea that we're a free people and we don't have the right to our own bodies is absurd. It's the pretense of freedom. It's just, it's a, it's a sham. So I'm pretty cynical about it. How do you, does your environment react to it when you know that in, you're in a majority and you're standing for something? People will say, like, amputee is over exaggerating or it's not so bad or et cetera. Like, how, how is this journey of trying to box against the cloud sometimes? Do you feel there's a change the last uh, years, decades? Some people are receptive, some people you can reach. Most, most people don't want to know, they don't want to be bothered. And I've had this experience recently. I went to visit some friends and relatives in, back in Southern California. And two women independently said the same thing to me. So what's the big deal about circumcision? Mm. It's like, God, I've been on the streets. I've been writing about this. I've been doing videos. I've been, and that's all you've got after all this time? You've got nothing? So what's the big deal about circumcision? Didn't you even bother to read anything or pay any attention at all? And you're my relative, you're my best friend's wife, and this is what you've got? I'm just shocked. I'm just shocked. So it's like, no, it doesn't affect them. They don't give a shit. That's the way people are, unfortunately. You also mentioned something shocking when we talked before the call. Can you tell them something more about the American-style mass male circumcision? in vulnerable populations in Africa and the funding of it? This is a shock. And most people, when they hear about it, they don't believe it because it seems incredible. But the scam of circumcision, so, so you have to go way back. There have been hundreds of reasons given for circumcising boys, hundreds of medical excuses that it prevents disease, that it prevents masturbation, that it prevents headaches, that it prevents bedwetting, anything you could think of prevents cancer, whatever it is, whatever people are worried about, uh, this will cure it. The medical profession here and other advocates for mutilating boys have found always an endless supply of excuses for mutilating boys. So during the 70s and the heights of, the height of the AIDS hysteria, of course, they're going to say it prevents AIDS. And some shoddy research was done, unethical research was done in Africa, where it would be illegal to do anywhere else because they, they'd involved in, in exposing healthy people to the HIV virus. 
So unethical research on human beings, something that Dr. Mengele would have been proud of, Mm -hmm. was done in order to prop up this idea that it prevents HIV. So what they came, they did three studies, two where they, or I'm sorry, three, they did four studies, three where they exposed HIV negative female partners to HIV I'm sorry, HIV negative male partners to HIV positive female partners. These are research, this is unethical research on human subjects. They exposed HIV negative male to HIV positive That's women. Insane, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they cut some of the men and left the some of the men uncut during the time the, and then they said, go ahead and have sex and we'll see who gets AIDS. And but the cut men had to stop and wait to heal before they could have sex. So already more of the uncut men were being had a head start in this race to get HIV. So they were getting exposed more. And then they gave the cut men condoms. So they it was a completely unscientific and corrupt study. So they found a tiny percentage, like between one and three percent, more. HIV amongst the uncut men. Unsurprisingly, they had rigged the study so that that's what they would find. So then that became the claim that uh, circumcision prevents HIV. There was a fourth study, which was in the other direction. HIV positive men to HIV negative female partners. And so they had cut some of the men and left some of the men uncut and said, okay, now we'll see how many Female partners get HIV, and lo and behold, more women got HIV from the cut men from, than from the uncut men. So it increased the transmission of HIV to be cut. So what did they do? They stopped the study early because of futility. Now, just think about that. What's futile about finding it circumcision causes a higher transmission of HIV? If you're concerned about HIV, that's a very important result. Mm-hmm. But if you're concerned only about promoting genital mutilation of men, well, then it's futile. And that's what they said. It was, it was futile. They, they weren't going to get what they wanted from this study. So they, they stopped it. So this is the level of hypocrisy and corruption that, that was in this, this effort to justify and legitimize male genital mutilation. So once they had this, then they they said, well, this was fed into the American Academy of Pediatrics report that said, oh, we're doing it because it prevents HIV. It prevents HIV. And then in addition, they they used this statistical trick where they had a real, they didn't look at, they they ignored the fact that it increases uh, transmission to women, only looked at the fact that it apparently decreased to men. And then did a statistical trick where instead of reporting the actual 1%, they said one or two or three, whatever it was, they said, and it reduces HIV by 60%, 60%, 60 60%, because that was the relative difference, which is completely misleading. But then this became the mantra. And if you talk to anyone in Africa, what what does circumcision do to HIV? It reduces it by 60%, 60%, 60%, 60%. And you have to realize that the bigger problem of HIV transmission is from men to women. So if you increase that direction from men to women, 
in the if you make the bigger problem worse and the smaller problem ostensibly better, you're making the overall problem worse. So there's nothing about it that makes any sense. There's nothing about it that's legitimate or scientific or valid. It's it's a sham. And in, anyway, this sham has led to the misallocation of resources on, to the tune of billions to mutilate African men. And they have mutilated 25 million African men and boys. And it started out with the name Voluntary Male Medical Circumcision. Voluntary. And then they started doing it to boys. And then they started doing it to infants. Where is the voluntary? And it's a, it's a crime against humanity, literally a crime against humanity. It's funded by the United States. It's funded by the CDC. PEPFAR, which was uh, supposed to be the president's emergency plan for AIDS relief. It was, you know, everything about circumcision, they hijack good intents and turn them into foul intent. It, the good intent of PEPFAR was to help people in Africa where their age problem, AIDS problem was terrible. It was hijacked and turned into a male genital mutilation campaign. It turned from helping people to harming them. When you explain it to people, they don't believe that this could really happen. UN AIDS, United Nations, is involved. They, it's just this corruption that just metastasizes and spreads and spreads and spreads. There is no way... That, that it, when people finally look back at what happens and what happened and don't see that this was a horrendous crime, a horrendous crime. Oh, but anyway, I see a lot of resemblances also with Bill Gates, what he sometimes did in India and Africa. When you look at some kind of project he set up, then there were also some experiments and misallocation of money and just using, oh, you just do it in Africa, just do it in India, you know, like they won't care so much. It's just horrendous how people, because you can look at videos, which books Bill Gates recommended, and one of them was how to lie with statistics. Well, just use the numbers how you how you want to. M make, make the data fit whatever conclusion you wanted to have. That seems to be the main thing with journalism, with politics, also with whatever kind of money power influence based institution like just make it fit the narrative and twist it around and and, and, yeah. and then it will it will be okay it's 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 a total scam of what not you know normally science and politics and journalism and and true change should be about yeah i'm so disappointed in bill gates i mean i just i mean he had a chance to do so much good for humanity and he has blown it and he's ruined i mean his reputation, well, he's got, he, you know, they, the Gates Foundation funds public media in America so that they don't really, they kind of have everybody in there. Yeah, in and their also head. read someone who's a marketer of me and they said like 70 to 80% of the marketing on television and mainstream media, it's the pharma industry, like 70 right. to 80% they have of them the in their pocket. That's 80%, you know, the people who sponsor yeah. it. So one plus one often is two. So you don't need to think so much about what the, interests would be behind the scenes you know gates admitted to have, have having met with jerry jeffrey epstein and we know that jeffrey epstein had this island where he brought yeah uh, powerful men and uh, some of them had sex with minors we know those that that is the that list eventually will be uh, revealed this is also crazy there. right and this thing there was, there was just lee maxwell who smuggled these kids to the island of her and then she got like a trial but it was like a side story of a side story right like so so so, yeah. so when trump was the president everything he does was mainstream news and here we basically have like child trafficking or minor trafficking like 
one of the most specific things that could happen, like organized pedophilia. And then it's yeah. a side story that she get convicted. And then there's not, no focus about the fly list of that plane, right. which was called the Lolita X. I'm not kidding you. This plane was called the Lolita Express. Right. That's so how they didn't open do that it for was. no reason. And yeah, and they don't look at the list and who's flying and integrity and, and do it like seriously, you know? Some things they go super deep, it's all over the news. But this little thing, they only covered the surface. Like, what? Right. So what yeah, I mean, so when people are behaving as if someone has a gun to their head, if they're behaving as if they're being blackmailed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe they are being blackmailed. Maybe they were being blackmailed. Maybe that's what, what the root of all this was. And and I don't know. But I mean, they behave as if they're being coerced because this this promoting genital mutilation has nothing to do with uh, with the ideals of of these organizations that they say they have so why are they why, this is the why same are thing they behaving that way exactly like this is such a shame but maybe i have too much integrity you know or higher up power influence and money it accumulates to certain people with a certain kind of mindset if this truly was about with COVID, about health if this truly was about health with circumcision if this truly was about helping people become healthier, stronger, more fulfilled, more informed. We could use Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, all the people, their money, the resources to spend in prevention, in education, in, in treatment, and then as a last resort, pharma, etc. But they are saying that that's the reason. But when I look at actually the consequences, the research, how the resources are being spent, that's totally not aligned with what the original mission should be or the best way to spend resources. So you just spin right. the narrative that it just fits the thing under the guise of something beneficial. But then when you look at the actual practice, it doesn't make any sense how they spend money or how they're treating people or how they, they use the resources. Because we have yeah. the resources, we have the knowledge, we could use the good in people to really want the best for as much people as possible. And then these people can spend so much into the perception manipulating industries that they seem like the ultimate philanthropist, ultimate, you know, like uh, messiahs. But then when you look at their actual behavior, I'll look at Bill Gates complaining about, oh, yeah, it's a really bad year. A bad year, Bill? Your money just went up with a gazillion dollars. Like, like you just made more profit. You just invested in all the things right now that are super influential and make you a lot of money. Yeah, it's easy to complain on your throne while the money is being stacked in the back. How can I take these people serious? Elon Musk complaining about AI while he's producing AI. He's producing it. He's warning of the dangers while he's actually in the industry and he's making money out of it. Jeff Bezos talking about pollution while he's just investing in it to make more money and then shooting racket, rockets in the sky. I mean, these people, they sell one story <laughs> and then you look at their behavior and the research like, are you kidding me? I looked up at, I mean, I'm all for like capitalism up until a certain level, but I looked at how much money Jeff Bezos is making. I didn't even know it would be like $2,500 per second or something, or, or, or probably even more. These, these numbers just make your mind boggle. And then I would say, let's spend it in healthy, strong, fulfilled people, make the planet strong, use resources in a good way. But then you see again how it's being used. We could do so much better, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. rant I mean, over, it's... but that's a bit where I'm at when I look at what we could do and what we actually do and what the people who so-called have our best interest in mind, what they say they will do. And then I look at their actual behavior and agenda, and there's a huge mismatch between the two, you know? Yep, yep. And 
the best intentions get hijacked. And it's just, it's, it's shocking that this is, this is what happens. I mean, I, I just had a loss. I just feel like it's so frustrating because you think somebody like Bill yeah. Gates or any of them could do so much good. Yeah. And they say they want to, but why are they doing the opposite? If you look at it from a Christian or whatever perspective, uh, lack of love, I think. I think lack of yeah, love, I, lack I of mean, connection, I, I, trauma I imagine, or something that you do this. I can imagine like doing this or I can imagine having this wealth or even wanting so much health and then spending it this way or using populations yeah. this way. Like, I can imagine that. Yeah, I can imagine that they're being coerced in some way because it, it doesn't, it, mm. their, their values and their actions don't, don't correlate. They, they just don't, they don't make sense. At any rate, the, the HIV studies were then fed back into the United States to support the CDC's claim that circumcision is, is the risk that way the benefit was their claim was disproved. It didn't matter. They just kept going on it. And then this US CDC then picked up this claim and then passed a law or a regulation that says that doctors have to promote circumcision to their, to their, in the United States have to promote circumcision wow. to the, to parents and to teenage boys. And people don't believe that, and I don't blame them, but I, if you look up CDC-2012-1110, I believe it is, let me just check, you can find it for yourself. It's, it, it's a reality. Also something that I agree with you on, like there was like a crusade against the female mutilation you know, that they try to limit women, their sexuality by mutilating them, especially like in Africa. So we have a two-sided discourse. Everybody's outraged about what happens with women, you know, and we can't mutilate women here and it's barbaric, the practices. But then on the other hand, when you look also at reducing sensitivity, sexual pleasure in men, it's a completely different dynamic. It seems that when we talk about the uh, literal female uh, genital mutilation. Yeah, it's total hypocrisy. I mean, what really disappointed me about feminism is that, you know, it was about equal rights, and I support that 100%. And then when it came time to produce a, a, a law, a federal law in the United States against uh, genital mutilation, it was only for girls. Boys were explicitly excluded. So there goes your equal rights. They claim equal rights was their goal, but in, when it comes down to actually writing legislation, it's equal rights for us, but not for you. You get excluded. You don't count because you're male. And it's like, what fucking hypocrites? I was so disappointed because I, I mean, I, I supported feminism. I thought, mm. I thought they were doing a good thing. I thought, and I still think equal rights is a good thing. I think everybody should have opportunities and mm -hmm. not be excluded based on the, any aspect of their personality or race or gender or what. I, just People should be free to pr pursue their potential, whatever it is. I still believe that. But when it comes down to actually writing legislation, yeah, we don't care about equal rights. It's for us, not for you. And uh, it's, it's blatantly unconstitution, unconstitutional. And the Constitution of the United States says there can be no discrimination based on sex. So, Well, it's this cultural it Marxism that I gave lectures about, and they cherry pick certain issues and certain categories like you know, it, it almost becomes an identity politics thing like, okay, you're a woman, you're a victim, but she's black, she's a victim. So black woman, I don't know, is, is the black part more uh, oppressor or, you know, uh, you know, so when, you, when they complained in the West about women's rights, and I'm all about principles and equal opportunities, just as you, 
But then when we were pointing towards some practices in Muslim countries, oh no, that, then we're racist. But you're for women's rights and there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah, no, 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 you can't touch that because as soon as I touch that, then I'm a racist. No, I'm, I'm against racism. I'm for men's rights, female rights, you know, I'm for yeah. rights, I'm for seeing the potential in people and, yeah. and, and, and having themselves determine themselves. And then again, you hit these identity politics or these certain things that can be touched and these other things that cannot yeah. be touched. They're hypocrites. They're hypocrites. It's really, the struggle for human rights is really hard. It gores a lot of sacred cows and there's no way around it. You can't, you can't say you're for the rights of, for, for girls to be educated in Muslim countries and, and say, oh, well, well, we can't say that because they're Muslim. Well, no. If girls have a right to be educated, they have a right to be educated no matter where they live. And if you're against genital mutilation, it should be for boys, girls, and, and their intersex people, people that are born, which is another whole topic, but born with ambiguous genitalia. Yeah. Not the same. It's, not, it's not the same as uh, transgender. It's people that are born Hem with actual... Yeah, it's actually a bit of both. And the problem there is that they've been forcibly assigned to one sex or another when they're young by by the parents say oh well you know yeah 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 this is an embarrassment this is an embarrassment make that my child a girl or make my child a boy well then the the child grows up and says well you made me a girl but i'm really a boy why, why did yeah. you do that to me yeah, yeah so they have a right to be protected mm -hmm. until they decide what they want for themselves if anything there are some intersex people who said well I know I'm different, but I'm happy just the way I am. And I don't want any surgery. I don't want anything changed. I like me. And that's the, you know, that's the same thing. You, you don't interfere with somebody. Let them decide what they want for themselves. You don't abrogate their right to self-control and consent. If people want to know more about Bloodstained Men and everything that you're doing, where can they find out more about you, your mission, or maybe some useful sites, uh, resources that people could check out? Yeah, bloodstainedmen.com, uh, one word, bloodstainedmen.com uh, is our website. And it, there, there's lots of it, resources there. There's videos, there's uh, scientific papers, there's, depending on, you know, what your interest is in, there's, there's lots going on. We're doing a tour of this. We, one of our main activities is doing on-street protests. And we're going to be doing a tour starting in late in February. And we're going to start in Las Vegas and spend uh, 20 days going through the Southwest. And people who are interested or are very welcome to join our tours, our, our protests, they're friendly. Lots of uh, mm. moms and kids show up. They're, we're not, we're not, some protests are very scary. We're, ours, ours are not mm. scary. We're very friendly people, mm. nice people. We are about uh, kindness and uh, compassion and gentleness. And our protests are lots of fun. And so for those who are interested in learning more, the, you know, one great way to learn, if, if we come to your city, just talk to us at the protest sites. We, we just been, we're there. We'll talk to anybody as long as they want to talk. And, you know, it, they're actually fun. One last question. I mean, I, I, I am pretty much on side of your mission, but let's also talk realistically. What do you think realistically should become the law if people still want to become circumcised do you have any idea i mean you wish that nobody would do it but what would be the age you think you're looking for 16 18 or a certain age and what should be provided to people or what should be changed that you feel that is something that's doable in my lifetime to make this happen 
in the United States, we have this female genital mutilation law, which is perfect in, in every way. Uh, girls are protected no matter what the parents believe. The girl has a right to her own body. There's no, no exception for parental whims or, or desires that the girl still has a right to her own body. There's no, any level of cutting is not allowed. It's, it's very clear the only time an intervention, an, an intervention can happen is if there's a real immediate medical need, mm. not some future possible benefit, a real immediate medical need. So that law is perfect in every way, except that it's not gender neutral, it needs to apply to both sexes. So that is uh, the bare minimum that I would, that would satisfy me. And as terms of uh, laws, it's already in, it's already there. It just needs to be made gender neutral. In terms of how old someone should be, you know, that we, we used to think the brain was fully developed at 18. They now believe it's fully developed at 25. So if you ask me, I'd say, well, wait till they're 25, because then they have judgment. They're fully, they have, their judgment is fully in place. They can make a decision that's based on the wisdom of at least aging, aging to 25. No, co it should not ever be done based on coercion or misinformation or somebody else's desires. That's what I think should happen. Realistically, I, I just hope humanity survives long enough for some progress to be made at all, because you just think of so much is going wrong all the time. I'm, I don't know. It's like there's climate change and there's nuclear weapons and the, the possibilities of terrible wars. And I mean, it's just like, well, I just hope humanity can get through this terrible time and start looking after the most vulnerable and the, the ones who can't speak for themselves and just let kindness rule. I mean, that is not asking a lot. It's just kindness. Just be kind to be kind to children. How Amen, man. And what we often say is the real heroes are the great parents. And if you give people the gift of a childhood, a relatively trauma-filled childhood, and then some education where you acknowledge them for what they are, their talents. Oh, man, you have such a lighter backpack, you know, backpack full of tools, knowing to move forward in life instead of a backpack of, of, of stones that are weighing you down with all negativity, man. I'm fully supportive with that mission because in a way the children are our future and if we can make them more empowered of basic women's rights from the beginning they have a lot more positive baggage to work with than negative baggage to work with yeah. we show all the best on your mission harry and thanks for being a guest on this interesting but controversial topic thanks for letting me be here philip thank you so much if you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and support our mission of freedom of speech. With increasing restrictions on fundamental freedoms, we believe that now, more than ever, is the time for you to be an online coach or consultant and become independent from the system. That's why we created the Client Closer Academy. Learn how to consistently enroll clients and join a community of fellow free thinkers who value personal responsibility, speaking their truth, and making an impact. Find out more at clientcloser.com slash academy. Rant over.